Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Hey, Peer Victory Tribe. We recently interviewed Chandler Rogers from the Relay app. Yeah, you can hear his personal story and the story of why Relay was created on episode 141. Chandler personally overcame a struggle with compulsive pornography use, and then he used his experience to give back to others by creating Relay, a group-based recovery app for people wanting freedom from addictive sexual behavior. He basically built what he wished he had during his healing journey, tools to manage recovery goals, an SOS button to reach out when feeling triggered, and a system for accountability with peers, all in a private safe space. So you can find out more about the Relay app in the show notes and learn more about it or join a recovery group at www.joinrelay.app. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Brad Hafner. Hey, 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 welcome back. Your Victory Podcast, Matt here, sitting across from Braddon. And uh, hey, what what country number are we out here? Oh, uh, I think we're at 105. 105 countries around the world. So welcome to our global audience. It's awesome to see things growing and pretty exciting. So It's pretty incredible that you all out there can understand us Canadians. You know, we we apparently have an accent. I mean, we had Americans (laughs) on last week. They're like, you guys have an accent. So you guys that don't even speak English as your first language. I know, I'm I'm impressed. impressed. (laughs) I can barely understand people up here sometimes. So good for you. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I mean, we're on the west coast of Canada. For you guys who don't know, that Newfoundland is far east. They speak almost a different language. Oh, they do. But hey, Newfies out there, we love you guys. You guys are amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. And you also know what we're talking about. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're excited. We have an, another American on today, Jody Burkeen. And Jody's a, a pastor and founder of Man Up God's Way Ministries and just does great conferences around around the states and... Uh, 
is bold in his approach, bold in just setting people free from addictions, but raising people into biblical masculinity. He right. he wants people to 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 be men God's way, and so excited to have him on. He's from St. Louis. St. Louis, go Cardinals, right? St. <laughs> Louis. Yeah, glad to be here, guys. We've got uh, a couple of Canadians and a redneck from Kentucky. So, oh, um, I love it. We may we may not understand each other at all. So. There we go. There we go. That's how you know we're Canadian because Braden says Saint Louis. He goes French. Saint right? Louis. Yeah. Wee <laughs> wee. Oui, oui. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I moved here about twenty years ago, and I've had to since change my accent a little bit. I still got a little draw every now and then that comes up, but uh, for the most part, I'm almost a little on the northern side now. Yeah, exactly. You're a little closer to us. <laughs> yeah, closer. that's right. Yeah, yeah. As we're talking about Newfoundland. Newfoundland, I spent three weeks up there, and that's a different world for sure. It is. Yeah. It is. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I met a guy in the summer and, and from Newfoundland, and I'm like, can you just tell me the words that you guys say that I don't even know? <laughs> right. All these phrases they that's say, right. I'm like, I have no idea what and you're talking about. They speak so fast, too. <laughs> Like it's just, I don't even understand. So, yeah, it's yeah. impressive. It's impressive. It's crazy. Yeah, it's well, awesome. glad to be here, guys. Thank you for uh, for having me. You bet. You bet. We're really glad. So, what's your what's your story, Jody? And you have a story of coming to faith later in life. You didn't necessarily grow up in that. So, what's uh, what's your story of finding Jesus and and really how that changed your life? Yeah, I usually start my story at 12 years old because that was the last time that I'd uh, walked into a church. Um, as a 12-year-old, I could see the hypocrisy of the church. And my parents were divorced and remarried, so I played the game of, you know, going to live with my dad uh, while my mom went to church. Um, you know, Sunday, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I always tell people I was a drug addict because she drug me through the church doors oh, every funny. time they were open. Hmm. And so um, by the time I was 18, you know, living in a different world with my dad, uh, not that my dad was a bad guy, but he didn't, didn't go to church and um, it g- gave me the avenue to, to learn to love money, to learn to love, you know, drug, sex and rock and roll kind of deal. And um, by the time I was 20 years old, I met my wife, um, girlfriend at the time. And I thought, man, if I'm going to keep her, I need to do something a little bit different with my life. So I joined the military tried to grow up a little bit and we were married in August of 1990. I got out of the military and um, just uh, got to the business world and found a God that I loved. It was money. And so I spent most of my uh, waking days trying to make money. And my wife was in uh, sales and pharmaceutical sales. And so she was making money. And so we thought we would just build a kingdom together. And for 13 years, we did that. And um, it was um, at a point in time in our lives where we decided to have kids and realized that we couldn't have kids. And mo- and it was my fault. I'd had some issues when I was a younger child to have some surgery and they had messed some stuff up so I couldn't have kids. And uh, so I got mad at a God that I didn't even believe in. By the time I was 12 years old to the time I um, you know, found out that I couldn't have kids, I'd really talked myself in and, and learned to be an atheist. Um, and I say learn because I don't, believe anybody can be a true atheist Mm. but um i think i think there's always this innate something inside of you telling you that god is real but it wasn't until we adopted my daughter um we were in the birthing room for her it was a private adoption and god just really moved in that that manner gave us a little girl and um i was in the in the waiting room saying god if you give me this beautiful little girl because 
you know, going through adoptions and especially through the birthing process, you don't always know if you're going to get the baby that is, uh, that's coming. And just so happened, God gave it to us. And I said, you know, if you change, if you give me this little girl, I'll change my ways. Well, we go back to, to living and building our kingdom, hired a full-time living nanny. And I didn't change my ways and my wife didn't either. And 18 months later, we get a call from the same birth mom and asked if we wanted a son. She was pregnant again. A few months later, I'm sitting in the same hospital room, same waiting room, just waiting on, you know, the baby to come. And I pray to God again. Well, by that time, we, you know, got to the baby girl and the baby boy, and we moved to St. Louis. And um, one day, my wife came in, and she said, hey, you promised me on our wedding day that you would uh, take our kids to church when we had them. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't don't necessarily remember, because I think I was hung over on my wedding day. <laughs> and... Um, and she handed me a flyer and she said, here's the church that we're going to. I've already talked to the pastor and we're going this Sunday. And so I, growing up in Kentucky, uh, there's a church on every corner of the streets. You know, there's a, there's the Baptist, the Methodist, right. the Church of Christ, you know, whatever, brick and mortar, five, five columns, a steeple and a bell tower. And uh, the church that we were going into was in a hotel and it was a church plant. And I... I had never heard of a church plant, didn't know what a church plant was, but I thought I was walking into a cult. So I told my wife that they asked us to sell flyers at the airport. I'm out of here. <laughs> and um, I thought we were going to have to be Moonies or something. <laughs> and so it wasn't that. It was a 20, 20 something people. Um, you know, we were the, the young couple, uh, professional couple that came in with kids, and that's like gold in a church. And uh, 32 at the time. And uh, man, about six, eight months later, I had the pastor over for dinner and I just was quizzing him about, you know, where he put all of his money and where's his jet plane and, you know, where's his beach house. And cause that's all I thought pastors did was taking still money. And he was a non-paid pastor at the time. And he finally just stopped me in my tracks and he said, Jody, you know what your problem is? And I was like, what's that? And he goes, you need to know Jesus. So he shared the gospel with me and uh, my wife and I accepted uh, Jesus that night. And uh, that was in May, uh, 2003. And so it kind of rocked our world and, uh, man, the, the, the rest is history. So that's kind of, that's kind of the beginning. Wow. So you become a new believer and a new Christ follower. Mm -hmm. I'm so curious. I mean, there's lots of gaps to fill in here in your story, of course, and we, yes. uh, we to give you the time to do that. But so leading from that to kind of where you are in ministry now, Mm -hmm. What happened in that stage so that you developed this passion for understanding biblical masculinity and the importance of that? So well, what are some things that happened in your life uh, leading up to that to kind of direct you that way? Great, great question. So uh, just a, a step back, you know, one of the things that opened my eyes to God was I was sitting one night holding both of my children. This was before we even started going to the church and um I'm holding both my children. It's two o'clock in the morning and I was feeding them. And I just remember looking down and I'm thinking, my children did not come from a cesspool of algae. You know, I'm looking into their eyes and their eyes are looking at me and they're looking around the room and these memories are going into their brain. And all the while their brain is pumping their heart and their lungs and their fingers and all of this kind of, I was like, there is no possible way that happened by chance. Mm -hmm. And so it really gave me the opportunity to, um, you know, see that, you know, God is real. God created them. And so that led, you know, that would just open up my heart and, and, uh, you know, for Jesus to kind of walk in when I was, when I was told the gospel. So it just changed my life then. But 
fast forward to that, um, I'm sitting in the church. I've got a brand new Bible. Uh, matter of fact, I had tabs on all the chapters because I didn't know, you know, where the chapters were in the Bible. So I had tabs on it. And I'm walking in. I'm like, all right, what do I do now? And nobody stepped up to help me out. And so um, thankful the Holy Spirit just took over, uh, gave me a love of, of God that, um, and the love of his word. Because uh, I'd never read a book prior to reading the Bible. Huh. And uh, within within the first year, I finished the Bible from Genesis to Revelations. And the next year, I did it again. And every year since, I have continued to read the Bible all the way through. And that was uh, in 2003. And so I'm standing around, I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, and as I'm reading the Bible, I'm looking at all these men that God used, uh, everything from you know, Adam and Eve to uh, Abraham, to Noah, to Jonah, to David, to Samuel, to Isaiah, to, and I'm just looking through and then Matthew, Mark, Luke, and all the apostles. And I'm just thinking, man, where are the guys that look like this in the church? Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, in my head, I thought, what a bunch of spiritual sissies. And um, in my day, when you called somebody a sissy, one of two things was going to happen. You either going to fight or you're going to cower down and walk away. And so God just kind of welled that up in me. And I just kept thinking spiritual sissies, spiritual sissies. And I was like, God is sitting in heaven, looking down at the men in the church right now. And he's going, I've given you my son. I've given you my word. I've given you my Holy Spirit. Why are you still spiritual sissies? And so that motivated me to really uh, start encouraging and challenging men uh, to be different than um, the way the world was telling them to be that we needed to be bold in the word, that we needed to know his word inside and out, that we needed to live it out, that we needed to love our wives as Christ loved the church and raise our children as godly children so they will not depart from him and serve in the church that we're a part of and get involved in church because when we have our household in order, then we can serve and lead within the church and stop looking like hypocrites out into the world uh, and, and then learning to, to be accountable to other men and make disciples. And God gave me that. And I ended up writing a book in 2011 and we launched it in 2012. And that's how man of God's way started. Cool. That's awesome. And what's your story in all of this with, with pornography or any sexual addiction? Um, and, and how did that change? Yeah. So 2003, obviously I gave my life to the Lord and, you know, God started working on me just, you know, cussing. I quit cussing. I quit drinking. I quit smoking. I was doing all of those things, even coming into the faith. And, you know, those were really quick. God just took those outward things away, but the inward things I was still struggling with because my wife and I used pornography in the bedroom. And, um, for a lot of women, you know, when we, you give your life to the Lord and all of a sudden you're walking with God, those things just kind of go away. Well, my wife quit instantly and I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. You know, you're, you're killing our sex life and you're killing our, you know, our life in the bedroom. And um, unbeknownst to her, I continued to watch it. And then I started sneaking. And about that time, it became really easy to get on, you know, um, handheld devices and computers and wasn't real hard to, to hide it. And it was about two years later, I got called into the ministry. I lost my business. I lost my fortune that I was building. God took all of that away. Um, I was literally, I, the only thing I had left was the home that I was living in. My cars were repossessed. I got to keep my house. And I just remember asking God one day, I was like, really, God, I gave you my life. And, you know, I expected him to double it because he got such a good deal when he got me, uh, but yet he took it all away. 
And uh, the next thing I know, I'm just, I'm left with nothing except, you know, my love for him, my family, my marriage. And uh, he started working on me uh, saying, listen, what I will build from here on out will be from me, not from the enemy. Uh, I want you to follow me. I want you to do everything that I tell you to do. And from here on out, I will bless you. And you will be able to give me glory for that instead of glorifying yourself. Because even in those days, I was still taking, you know, God off the pedestal and putting my money on the pedestal back and forth. So he took care of all of that. And so in that me, in that process as well, as I was broken, um, I was finally able to see that pornography was, was hindering my walk uh, with God and my relationship with my wife. And so one night I was meeting with another brother, he and I, I sat across the table from him. He, he weighed a 130 pounds soaking wet and I'm 210 relatively built and like to fight and this kid had never fought a day in his life and he called me a liar when he asked me how I was doing and I said I'm doing okay and he called me a liar and I thought man I'm gonna pull you across this table and tie you up in a pretzel you you thought he was a sissy but something else came up yeah, yeah yeah exactly but he had the balls to say hey you know you've got something going on I can see it all over you and I was struggling with this pornography and I confessed it. He confessed it. The next thing you know, we're crying, we're praying, and we we decided we're going to do something about it. And that was the first time that um, we put in a plan of action to study the scripture. We read a couple of books. uh, We held each other accountable. We got software for our devices, and um, we allowed God to start healing our hearts. That must have been, well, such an impactful moment uh, at that point. And I think that sometimes we all encounter that moment of realization, hey, I got a problem. I I need help. And I think as men, that's probably one of the hardest things we can do to is acknowledge we got a problem and ask for help. (laughs) Well, Uh, that's that's the problem with men in general is that we have, you know, men are very simplistic in nature. We have five major problems. It's sex, wives, money, kids, and work. Outside of that, we don't have a whole lot of major problems except the one big one that overarchs all that, and that's pride. And why I believe that a testimony for a Christian man is so powerful because it gives you the opportunity to share the struggles that you've gone through. And just for a moment, if another guy's listening, he can go, oh my gosh, I didn't know I was the only one struggling with that. And he can have the opportunity to confess that, you know, seek help from that. And so I want to encourage men that are listening is to don't be scared of your testimony. You know, your, your testimony is what God is doing in and through you. And what's been done in the past is, still in the past and now you're walking with him and it's um you know as we all know who confess our sins man it's freeing and you can get to a place of healing once you you know get rid of the pride and open up and say man i'm struggling yeah and it could be any of those things you know sex it could be the lack of sex with your wife and which leads you into pornography which causes even more problems you know i I imagine you guys know the stats that are happening in pornography within the church and, you know, the medical issues that happen is causing impotence because of masturbation. And um, it's just causing, you know, to, to be the minute man in the bedroom, you know, what you're, what you're picturing in your head, your wife won't do. And it just causes all these major, major problems. Um, it could be work, you know, you bring your work home and it could be your children. It could be, you know, any of those five things that I noticed or I said well ago, and um, it causes major problems when you keep them to yourself. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, it's, it seems like it's, it's such a counterintuitive thing in the sense that, um, I mean, I love the, the way you describe, well, the ministry is called Man Up. And um, mm-hmm. in our culture, our understanding of what that means is so counter to what 
we see in the model of Jesus. And mm-hmm. I mean, we're told, hey, what it means to man up is, yeah, like I look tough. I am tough. I got a thick skin. Um, I make this much money. I, uh, you know, I have this hot wife uh, that, that um, you know, I have big biceps. I go hunting and fishing. I can crush a can in my hand, in, in my hand no problem. You know, that kind of understanding of what it means to be a man. But really what our model is, is so different. So why, why how do we battle that? that script that I think so many men have running in the background of what it means to be a man. Well, I think a couple of ways, first of all, you need to know that, you know, Jesus Christ. Um, if you truly are saved, if you believe by faith that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he was sent here through a virgin birth to walk a sinless life, to walk upon the cross, to die for your sins, to be buried, resurrected, and is coming back. That's the first thing that you have to do. That's the, the best relationship that you can possibly have. And that's how you start manning up God's way. When you do that, now you have the tools to be able to help you to do that. You're indwelled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now you learn what the fruit of the Spirit are, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We learn to man up that way. And when we start adding those things to our life and we start applying those things to our life, we become the man that Jesus wants us to be. We become more like Jesus in our nature. And so Um, We learn self-control in moments that we want to fight or to yell or to scream or to look at porn. We learn self-control. We learn to love those who are unlovable. Um, We learn to love our wife as Christ loved the church. We learn to love our children and raise them in a godly manner. And that's all done through the power of the Holy Spirit. The world is telling you to do all the wrong things. And too many people are allowing TV, social media, movies to dictate their culture and to teach them how to be a man when god all the while has placed it in 66 books that you and i can go read any day of the week and learn how to soak in um, what he has given us and the desire of his heart uh, will eventually become the desire of our heart we learn to be broken and contrite we learn to pray we you know all of our battles should be fought on our knees not you know with a a weapon and um, again we're going to learn how to use and and wield the the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and when you soak in the word of god psalms 119 says i've hidden your word in my heart so that i will not sin against you and when you do that you start becoming the man that god wants you to be and you're doing it his way not your way it's so true I'm thinking of Jesus when he's being accused and falsely accused and they're just on him. And mm-hmm. I mean, he knows his life is about to end yeah. and right. And he just stands there just silent. Just, and, and we would think mm-hmm. like, Oh man, a manly man, he would go and defend himself. He'd get right. riled up. It's like, no, Jesus did the opposite and he's right. manly. And like, he's seen his, he's seen the whole crowd of people come to arrest him and, Peter defends him. Peter, in our world, in our eyes, Peter is pretty manly. He goes and right. cuts like a dude's ear off. Right. Jesus right. rebukes his own friend and then heals his enemy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's actually manly. Right. It's so it's opposite, eh? Opposite to the way the world is crazy. It, yeah. The, the the ways of God are always inverted compared to the ways of man. Always. It's always the the opposite. You know, he you know, the first will be last. Um, the last will be first. You know, it's it's always that mentality that God uh, has in the Bible. And when we can figure that out, we are manning up God's way. Yeah. When we figure out that, you know, love is far greater than hate. Self-control is far greater than outbursts of anger. Um, being drunk in the spirit is far greater than being drunk on wine. You know, like mm. it's always the opposite of the world. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. I love it. That's right. Hey, I'm curious how you learned to, I'll say it this way, man up God's way in the mm-hmm. bed, in the bedroom, if you, and go as deep as you want, but, um, without porn, when porn had been part of your sex life for so long. So that's a great question. Cause I, I got a great answer, <laughs> but, um, so when, when I had that confession with my brother, he and I confessed, it had been almost two years since my wife and I gave our lives to the Lord. And so she quit almost immediately. And so we prayed for almost four weeks before we decided to tell our wives. Mm. And, um, I went to my wife and I told her, and I had been praying for four weeks. I was like, Lord, please don't let her pack the bags. Don't let her be mad at me. You know, cause man, we were growing in the church and, you know, I could have been easily labeled as a hypocrite because, you know, here I am, you know, uh, starting to teach and starting to lead people. And, you know, behind the scenes, I'm doing all the things that I shouldn't be doing. And I remember the day I went and talked to her and I was just as humble as I could possibly be. I was broken and I was in tears and I just told her I've been struggling and this is what happened. And this is what my friend and I are doing. And this is where we're doing. This is how we're, you know, for four weeks, I haven't done anything. And I want you to know that I'm, I'm done. And, and uh, I just remember there was this pause. She said, how can I help? And I was like, Oh my gosh. And so what, what that did was it gave us an opportunity to talk about um, expectations in the bedroom you know, what, what I needed and what she needed and, you know, how we could uh, bring that spark into the bedroom, you know, because in my mind, I'm thinking, man, we need to have sex, you know, every day of the week. And she's in her mind, it's like once a month is fine with her. So what's the realistic expectation for that? Um, how can she help me battle that lust and not allow me to go too long where the next thing I know I'm veering off. And for literally for uh, 18 years that has stood in our home that we have expectation conversations and we have a new book coming out next year called um, expectation conversations, seven questions that couples need to answer and keep answering. Cool. And um, when you build up the expectation, when you talk about, you know, what's the expectation is again, my expectation was unrealistic. So was her expectation around realistic. So what's a realistic expectation. Mm-hmm. And so we scheduled dates, we scheduled date nights, we scheduled moments to be together, you know, both intimately and just, uh, relationally. And, um, I learned to pray over her. Uh, we started praying together, learned to wash her with the water of the word, meaning that I'm making sure that she's in her word. And the, the closer that we get to God, man, the closer we get to each other. And it's a very, very sweet relationship. Even we've been married 32 years and I can't imagine getting any better. Yeah. Wow. Well, I always talk with that about expectations with married couples. So that's great. You're speaking my language there, Jody, but it's so, it's so funny because it's, it's those unsaid things, right? The things we don't talk yeah, about that is. often are causing the most tension in our relationships. So yeah, that's great. I'm looking forward to that book. Yeah. Uh, so I'm we're, also, we're excited. About well, it sounds great. Now, whenever a husband and wife steps out in these areas yeah. and share from your own story and, and I mean, that's yeah. what we need to hear. And so thanks for doing that. Thank you. Um, I had a question about this too, because, uh, it seems like as men, a big area that we are attacked in, um, that kind of keep us stuck in the mud from moving forward is in our sexual identities, um, in the sense of just mm-hmm. we're, we're attacked this area where there's porn, battling masturbation, our understanding of what, 
who we are and as a men and what good sexual desire looks like because God has given us good sexual desires and sometimes we feel shame about that or maybe some mm-hmm. past things we've been through, some trauma, abuse in our past that's informing our, our present and future. Why is this an area that we are attacked and so hard? Um, what are your thoughts about that? Well, because it's probably the weakest area for men. And we, we've, we grow up, you know, hearing about sex and seeing sex and that, you know, sex is all kinds of different things, you know, where as a Christian, as a believer now, I believe that God gave it to us for two reasons. One, to procreate and two, to have, um, you know, a physical, uh, exciting relationship with your spouse. And when it's taken out of context and when it's um, bastardized into fornication or adultery or even pornography, um, we then take it to a place to where, uh, we can't, we, we, we're not learning to control our thoughts. Also, I think most men are battling with it because they don't control their thoughts. They're not in the word of God. They haven't hidden the word in their heart. And so they think that they're going to die if for some reason they don't get an opportunity to watch porn and masturbate, you know, and if they start understanding the problems that pornography will actually cause, cause you to lose desire for your wife. It'll cause you to, to lust after a screen. I mean, think about how sick that is. When you, when you think about it, like how sick is it that we would allow our minds to get so wrapped up uh, that we're going to watch a screen that you're watching this and all the while your wife is in the other bedroom. When if you put as much energy of trying to hide pornography to pursue your wife, imagine the relationship that you guys would have then. Now, I think it's just a lack of discipline and it's a lack of uh, of stick to itness for guys you know, nowhere are you going to die or things are going to blow up or fall off. If you don't have sex, uh, you gotta, you gotta learn to control that. And that's learning to control the mind. A hundred percent. I'm wondering what you mean practically. And I think I probably know, but I just want you to speak to it, to hide the word in your heart. How do you, how do you mm-hmm. hide the word in your heart? So I could, if I were to send you guys, you a list of sins from Google and you can go to Google and type it. What are all the sins in the Bible? And you could pull up a list and I could send that to you and I could say, all right, Matt, here's, here's the sins that I want you to start looking at. And you could read that whole list of sins and it would not change you one bit, not one bit. But if you open up the word of God and you start reading and all of a sudden you go through Matthew and all of a sudden you see, and this is what happened to me. I'm reading and Matthew and Jesus says, if you lust after a woman, you have committed adultery in your heart. Like that broke me to think that I was cheating on my wife. That I hid that in my heart from then on out. So I would not, so I could not cheat on my wife. Um, it's the same thing with outbursts of anger. Anger. Galatians 5.19 talks about this litany of sins that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want to inherit the kingdom of God. I don't want to to, you know, have sexual immorality in my life. I don't want to have outbursts of anger. I don't want to be drunk. I don't want to be all of these things. And so I give the power over to the Holy Spirit who is indwelled in me to give me the strength to be able to hide it in my heart. So when the temptation comes up, boom, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to flee, as Paul tells us in Corinthians, flee from sexual immorality. Don't try to stand there. Don't try to battle it. Don't try to, you know, justify it. Just run. And um, men do not know how to do that. No, that's great. <clears throat> One, I think it, I mean, if, if we don't have the word in our heart too, um, we can really easily go to more legalism versus the 
having the full, like really taking in what God's speaking to us and it becomes a surface level thing. Um, but when we, right. when we chew on the word and we pray into it, when we allow God to speak to us about it and we're thinking about it throughout the day, that changes us from the inside out versus trying to do a performative thing where you read the word, but you're not wrestling with it. You're not looking at it. Um, maybe you have, you know, a cursory understanding, but that doesn't help you because you're not really taking it in the way that, I mean, we, it's so funny. Often we, we think of reading a book, we read a certain way and we, we apply that same approach to the Bible. We have to read the Bible in a whole different way, right? right. <laughs> um, yes, really exactly. take it in and dwell on it and think about it. Pause, look at what you're reading and pray into it. I mean, the word is living and sometimes we miss that. We read it like a novel and, um, and right. then we, we're reading, it's just one of those things where sometimes you ever not really take it in. So I love what you're saying there. It's true. There was uh, a, there was a young, I was, all, oh, go ahead, Jody. I was going to say all throughout Jesus's ministry, he was always trying to get the Pharisees and the Sadducees to see it was a heart issue. Mm. Yeah. Like the the reason that you're sinning, the reason that you you're you're missing the whole boat is because it it hasn't gotten from your head to your heart. Mm-hmm. You can have a, a ton of and that's that's where legalism comes into play. Yeah, totally, absolutely, totally. Yeah, uh, I was with this group of young adults last night, and we were talking about that actually in Psalms four twenty three that guard your heart with all diligence um, for everything you do flows from it, and it is it is a heart level, but. But one of the guys, he asked me, he's like, in this world where the sexualization is becoming more uh, younger and younger, and these guys are noticing this, they're probably 20 or so, and and they're like, man, the sexualization of like 10-year-olds and all of that is so so normal now. Yeah. And so one mm-hmm. of the guys, he's asking me, he's like, how do you stay pure? Like, how do you stay straight in, with godly sexuality? And so just the verse that came to my mind goes exactly with what you're saying in Psalm 119 where it says how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word and we and so I was mm-hmm. like guys you have to be in the word like five minutes a day if you're not like start there mm-hmm. 15 minutes a day I was challenging them like you grow to an hour a day even just like with the Lord or whatever but really it's like all the time just meditating on that and that's what it sounds like is you're just meditating on what you read throughout the day and seeing how does that apply to your own life hey eh? Right, exactly, and that's that's the the word is is living and active and sharper than a two edged sword. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what we've got to realize is that the word is going to change you. And mentoring is great, discipleship is great, but once you encourage them and get them into the word of God, that's what's going to change them. Yeah. The moment you start seeing them diving into the word of God, where I always say you need to wake up every morning and eat spiritually before you eat physically. Um, get into the word of God, make sure that you're into the word of God and that you're living in that, that you're breathing that, and it becomes a part of your life that gives you strength to, um, you know, I've taught my sons, I've got two sons and two daughters and I've taught my sons as well as my daughters to bounce their eyes, you know, learn to learn to bounce your eyes, you know, don't, don't take a second look, just look somewhere else. And and that's a discipline that uh, you can only get from the power of God. Right, right. Well, thanks, Jody, for sharing that. And um, one last thing, um, we love doing this sometimes with guests. Um, in your particular area that you're passionate about, seeing godly men rise up, have true biblical masculinity. I know that, you know, for Matt and I, at one point, we probably thought, hey, that's just out of reach. And I think that we have a lot of listeners out there that maybe feel that way too. Because, you know, when you're battling porn or any kind of addiction like that, shame has really bogged you down to the point where you just mm-hmm. are cut off at the knees and you don't think you can move forward in anything. But I'm, asked, I'm, put, I'm painting the picture for you here because uh, often we like to 
our guests to just share a little bit of a vision casting because sometimes we need that. We need uh, a vision of what we can look like um, as God works in our mm-hmm. life. Um, so what what does it look like as we step into that? What could it mean for, say, an indiv- individual, a guy listening out there, if they really take in what you're saying, but more most importantly, they have a deep personal intimate relationship with Jesus and they move out of that and move away from the things that are holding them back, those chains like porn, um, other things mm-hmm. that are just understanding of improper understanding of sexuality or masculinity or anything mm-hmm. like that. What could it look for like for them as God works in their life and moves them out of that? So I relate a relationship with Jesus, um, much like exercise, you know, exercise, you know, too many of us want to look like, you know, Brad Pitt, uh, but we don't want to necessarily go to the gym or we don't want to put a fork down. Uh, we don't want to get to a place where, you know, we put in the time and the hours and the, you know, the the broken muscles and the building them back up and the right eating and all that kind of stuff. But yet we have this desire to look better than we do. Again, it's all discipline, learning to get out there, just start walking. Let's say you're overweight, um, you know, you just start walking. And then you put down one meal instead of two meals and you just learn this over time. And eventually you will become someone who is in shape. And it's the exact same way with becoming a godly man. It does not happen overnight. Even in through exercise, you could get to a place, man, I finally lost weight. And then all of a sudden a Big Mac and a large fry sounds good and you eat it. You haven't lost everything that you started, but you can start again, making sure that you're back in the right way. It's the same thing with our walk with Jesus. We're going to have the ups and downs and the valleys. And I always tell people, you're not going to be sinless, but you can learn to sin less. Mm. And if you can get to a place where, you know, maturity, I've been doing this for 20 years now. My maturity, as far as the sin that's in my life, is a lot less than it was 20 years ago. Mm. Is it where I want it to be? No, I still got another 20 years if the Mm -hmm. Lord keeps me here on this earth to get better in his eyes. And that's the process of sanctification. You're going to go through, you're going to read your Bible 10 days, 12 days, 14 days, and all of a sudden you're going to have... A, a moment. Um, I remember when I first gave my, or, or first uh, found it, you know, with pornography. Uh, I didn't quit immediately that day. I realized I had a problem, and I had two incidences after that where I'm reading my Bible. I'm close as I could possibly be to God, but I'm in front of my computer, and the next thing you know, I turn on my computer. Literally, while I was reading my Bible, I thought, you jerk. I just like really got mad at myself. I put a lot of pressure on myself and uh, went to God, you know, confessed it. And then one more time, about three or four or five weeks later, it happened again. And then that's when I knew that it was all over. So my point in saying all that is you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have trials and tribulations. You're going to have struggles, but you got to realize that you got the power of the Holy spirit on your side. You have the grace of God to forgive you and his love for you to be a better man that he's called you to be. Really good. Really good. That is such a good vision and, and, uh, and practical too. I love it. I love it. You've got different things you've got. Yeah. You've got conferences and books and resources. And so can you just uh, let the listeners know where they can find different things that you put out there? Sure do. We, we have the world's largest social media platform uh, for men's ministry and for most ministries at that we're close to a million people who follow us on Facebook. Uh, We've got a private group of men only of 50,000. It's called man up God's way community. Uh, you can answer the questions and join that community as well. We have an app that you can get on iTunes or Google. 
Man Up God's Way, and then our books are on Amazon. Uh, you can either search my name or you can get them on our website at uh, www.manupgodsway.org. Awesome. Thanks, Jody. We really appreciate you taking the time today uh, in the midst of uh, coming back from vacation. So appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it's a blessing. It's a great way to start uh, start the work week for sure. Absolutely. So thanks, Jody, and everybody out there listening. Thank you for listening in and taking part in these podcasts with us. So bless you all. We're in your corner praying for you, and we'll check in with you next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.